Hello, welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Overcoming Life Obstacles. On the first and third Tuesdays of each month from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time, we'll be teaching principles of the overcoming life. Basically, uh, the teachings have come out of God teaching me how to overcome. And I'm still overcoming, praise God. You know, the promises of God are to the overcomer. Uh, In fact, if we don't overcome the obstacles in our lives, then we're not an overcomer. And, you know, without something to overcome, we couldn't be an overcomer. So we can count it all joy when we go through various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith produces endurance. And and the scripture says we have need of endurance. In fact, Matthew says it's those that endure to the end who will be saved. And so it's a life of persevering, learning to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, uh, I've been with Abiding Life Ministry since 1978, teaching deliverance for the past 34 years, deliverance and healing. And the reason I do it is that because it works. And basically, you can say deliverance in a nutshell is James 4, 7, give yourself to God which means submit to God when you go through things, ask the Lord what he's trying to teach you, and then um, resist the devil and he'll flee. But I've, just, I've, I've discovered that whenever we submit, our, it's really boo devil or boo demon. And so the reason we have demons in our lives and need deliverance and healing is because of sin in our lives. Now, people don't like to hear that, but uh, I can show you in the Word of God and hopefully in the next week or two, Two, I'll be teaching on how the enemy gets ground. But tonight I want to uh, teach on Satan is king over all the sons of pride. And, of course, any area that we're lifted up in pride, Satan's king over that area. He might be lord of our life, but whatever area that we uh, lift ourselves up, then Satan is king over that area. Romans 6 says whatever we let control us becomes our master. And so we want to be talking about that tonight. If you'd like to call in, if you uh, need prayer, uh, you can call us at when I get through teaching. We'll open up the lines to prayer, and it, the number is 646-595-4784, and don't forget to press 1. Um, and so I'm going to start with pray, a word of prayer. So, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you that you're our king, that you're our God, that you're our master. And, Father, we commit this teaching to you, and you said you'll establish our thoughts. We ask you to bring to our remembrance everything you've said. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that utterance will be given to me in the the opening of my mouth that I might proclaim with boldness the mystery of Christ. I pray that every person who's listening in will turn from darkness to light, Lord, if they need salvation, that every person who listens to my voice will be saved. We thank you, Lord, that you said signs and wonders accompany the teaching of your word. We thank you that your word is forever settled in heaven, that you watch over your word to perform it. And bless the Lord, you, his angels, mighty in strength, who watches over God's word to perform it. And, Father, we thank you that the leaf withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. And so, Father, I pray for anointing tonight to break the yoke off each person who's listening in. I pray, Father, for the truth that sets each person free. I pray for a spirit of counsel, Lord, a spirit of might, a spirit of excellence, and the fear of the Lord, in Jesus' name. Well, as I said, the title of this message is Satan is King over all the sons of pride. And Satan um, Satan is proud, and where, where Jesus is humble. And so whatever area that we are, are yielding to uh, pride, then Satan is king over that area. Uh, Pride means to exalt yourself, to lift yourself up. Um, It means to take a higher seat when the word of God says take a lower seat. It means to have a high, too high of an opinion of ourself or something else. And um, having too high of opinion of something else would be what we want to talk about tonight is Satan takes pride in what we take pride in and we take pride in our idols. And, you know, our idols today, you know, we might not bow down to Diana or Kelly or uh, Buddha, but our idols our idols are you've got to love me, you've got to accept me, you've got to value me, you've got to see how wonderful I am, you've got to listen to me, you've got to talk to me, um, and I could just go on and on and on. And when, when I have an idol, I can always know I have an idol because uh, when I have an idol, I get angry when I don't have it. 
uh, I'm fearful if I don't have it, fear I won't get it, and if I have it, I fear I lose it. Uh, also, uh, depression. Basically, First uh, Samuel fifteen twenty three says, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and all iniquity is as idolatry. And so, uh, pride is that that state or feeling of being proud. Um, it's it's uh, having too high of an opinion of yourself. Um, It means to exalt yourself, that we have to humble ourselves. Um, It means uh, splendor or magnificent or pomp. Um, It means an ornament or adornment. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 says, um, Since we're of the day, let us be sober, putting on the breastplate of love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Uh, it says in uh, Romans uh, 3, 8 through 11 that Jesus Christ is the armor of light. The scripture says that we're to lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. The armor of light is the same thing as the whole armor of God in Ephesians 6, which just says, stand firm in the faith, gird your loins with truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Um, put on the belt of truth. The, the take up the sword of the spirit. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Take up the sword of the spirit. And basically, we have it on whenever we make Jesus Christ Lord of our life. And to put it on is a choice. We can choose to walk. In the word of God by denying ourselves and taking up our cross to follow the Lord. Or we can choose to not do that. And when we choose not to do that, the scripture says that's idolatry. And so it's a choice. Colossians 3, Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says, As those who have been chosen of God and beloved, put on a helmet of, put on, I'm sorry, a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience bearing with one another and forgiving each other just as God in Christ has forgiven you and beyond all these things put on love which is the perfect bond of unity and you know the way I put it on is I choose not to be hateful you know the kingdom of God, the, the 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 currency I recently heard this the currency of the kingdom of God is love the currency of the kingdom of darkness is to withhold love and so the scripture says in the New Testament that love fulfills the whole law. You know, in the Old Testament, they had to obey the letter of the law. The New Testament, God gives another commandment that, that if we walk in love, we fulfill God's covenant. All of, the, all of the commandments can be summed up in that one statement. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your body, and your neighbor as yourself. So Colossians 3.14 says, And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. When you do that, it says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you've been called in one body. And be thankful. And, of course, before we can put on all these things, we have to put off some things, and it tells us in Colossians 3, 8. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth, and do not, and do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Put on a new self who is being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of the one who created you. And, of course, we can only do this when we're willing to deny ourselves and we're willing to give up our life that we might find it. You know, it's tempting when someone hurts us to hold unforgiveness. But the way I deny myself is I choose to forgive because forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a choice. Uh, God has an armor, which is the whole armor of God. It's the armor of light. But Satan also has an armor. His armor is what you're trusting in. It, it says in, in Job 41, when you read the, the description of Leviathan, it says his strong scales is his pride. 
So he takes pride in what we take pride of. And his armor is what we're trusting in and what we're trusting in to make us happy. For example, we may say, you know, if I just had new furniture, I could be happy. Or if I just had someone to love me, I'd be happy. Or if someone wouldn't reject me, I could be happy. Or if somebody would just value me, then I could be happy. If somebody would just protect me, then I could be happy. If I just had all the new clothes I wanted, I could be happy. Basically, you can see the discontentment in all this. The scripture says in 1 Timothy 6 that that godliness is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. So if we're not contented, our godliness means nothing. And so uh, we say, you know, if I could just, if my children would just uh, line up, I could be happy. Or if my marriage was right, I could be happy. Or if... um, If I just had all the money I wanted, I could be happy. Or if my bills were paid, I'd be happy. And you see, in all of these areas, we're taking pride in these things rather than taking pride in the Lord. And so you can see the pride in all this is I, me, my. And and so it always has to do with self, uh, what I need to make myself happy. When Jesus said, if you give up your life, you find it. You hold on to your life, you lose it. He says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That's everything you need uh, to for life and godliness. And so his armor is um, trusting in something else. Satan's armor is trusting in something else rather than trusting in the Lord. So you see the idolatry is valuing anything more than I value God. And, you know, it's a walk of learning to deny yourself, of being contentment. I can remember in earlier years when I was in my 20s and 30s, I mean, I could go through a mall and everything I see, everything I saw I would want. Isn't that terrible? Maybe you're the same way. But now I can go through a mall. I don't even like to go to malls, but if I go, I don't see one thing I want. And I'm so thankful that God has given me contentment because in earlier years, um, when my youngest son died of AIDS in 1989, I was teaching a te- a te- I was teaching on a message called Count It All Joy after my son died. And um, I thought, Lord, how can I teach people contentment if I'm – how can I count it all joy? How can I teach people contentment if I'm not contented? But I thank God that God has worked that in my heart to where uh, from being younger, wanting my own way, I don't want my own way anymore. And I'll give you this little tip of how to how to overcome all the obstacles that comes into your life when people hurt you or when you think your kids should come to dinner or when you think uh, your wife should do this or your husband should do that. You know what? what's really given me the victory is when it comes up, I just say, Lord, if that would bring you greater glory and honor for this to happen or not to happen, so be it. The devil, you can't touch me. You know, if but you know if 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 there's no fear or if you're not upset or if there's no hurt, God says you have not because you ask not. But when you pray that prayer, it's really liberating because uh, the Word of God says this is the confidence you can have toward Him if you ask anything according to His will. He hears you, and if He hears you, you already have what you ask for. Well, if you're if you're not living for the glory of God, that's not good news. But if you're if you finally come to the place where you want to live for the glory of God, I'm telling you that prayer is answered every time. And whatever happens, you don't even care because you know that God's going to answer that prayer and uh, he's going to be glorified, and that's all you want. But, you know, we spend our life wanting to be glorified ourselves. Romans 6.16 says, whatever we're slaves to, and what, what or we're slaves to whatever we yield ourselves to. Uh, Matthew 6.44 uh, uh, after it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In fact, if you read all of Matthew 6, it talks about consider the lilies. You know, don't worry about what you're going to put on. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. And then it goes on and says, God knows you need all these things. In fact, uh, if you think about the Lord being your shepherd, he leads you beside still waters, peaceful places. Um, he leads you to green pastures, which is a place to feed, to meet all your needs. Uh, he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies, your cup runs over. Uh, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll fear no evil because God's with you. His rod and staff comforts you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But after, it's, after it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in Matthew 6, it goes on to says, you can't serve two masters. 
And so when we're trying to uh, serve and make ourselves happy by all these things we think need, we need to make us happy, it's all idolatry. And wherever you have an idol, if you just took one of those idols, um, I usually use an overhead to show you Satan's armor and all these different things that are his armor. But uh, if you just took one of the things of his armor and just took, you know, I've got to be loved, you know, I've got to find somebody to love me. Well, you have fear of not being loved. You have fear of rejection. You have fear of man. You have um, you have anger when you're not loved. You have hurt, resentment, bitterness, uh, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, torture, torment, revenge, retaliation, grudges, isolation. You can just go on and on and on to name all the demons around that one idol. So you know if you if you had all the things I've named plus some. Uh, then you'd have all the each each idol has its own set of demons. Basically, they're pretty much the same demons. Romans one twenty eight says, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. And then it, they get filled with something else, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, uh, full of envy, murder, strife. Uh, deceit, malice, they uh, gossip, they're slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, uh, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedience to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they did not, they knew the ordinances of God, so this is somebody that's supposed to know God, and those who practice such things are worthy of death, they, they not only do the same thing, but they give hearty ap- approval to those who who practice these things. And so in the Bible, there's two yokes, metaphorically speaking, for subjection or servitude. It's the yoke of Jesus, which is light and easy, and it's a humble yoke. You have to humble yourself to wear it. And then there's the, a yoke of iron or the yoke of uh, um, the yoke of iron in, in Deuteronomy 28:48, which is a curse. It says, because of disobedience to the voice of God and his commandments, He'll put a yoke of iron on you and cause you to serve your enemies in hunger and thirst and nakedness and the lack of all things. And he'll put an iron yoke on your neck until you're destroyed. And so there's the yoke of Jesus that's a humble yoke. And there's a yoke of pride, which is also the yoke of iron. In Hosea 10, it talks about the yoke of, uh, that God puts on the neck of Ephraim, which, it, which means double fruit, uh, a, a yoke. And so, um, we, you know, we not only put self-inflicted yokes on our neck, but other people put yokes on our neck. The only, the only yoke our neck, our neck fits is the yoke of Jesus because a, a yoke can be grueling, shaping, and anointing, but the yoke of Jesus is light and easy, and we find rest for our soul. And so there's the yoke of Jesus in Matthew 11, uh, 28, and 29, where Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon your, you and learn from, me, learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble, and you shall find rest for your soul. Um, you know, uh, uh, say, just say you had a rebellious oxen and you're a farmer. A good farmer would, take, uh, would chase that bull down and put a wooden yoke on his neck, and that's what happens. When we're in rebellion to God, then God lets the devil put a yoke on our neck that's not light and easy. Only when we wear the yoke of Jesus is it light and easy, and do we find rest for our soul. Um, And so Satan's armor is what we're trusting in, what we think we need to make us happy. You know, God says that he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. He says that in 2 Peter chapter 2, I believe. But pride is I, me, my. Satan takes pride in what we take pride in and what we're trusting in to make us happy. Um, and, you know, we have these images in our mind, you know, based on our childhood, the childhood traumas. Uh, because we don't know we can go to God, we turn to promises we make ourselves when we're children. Uh, if life's not going well or we're not happy because parents model for us a picture of what God's like, uh, we... We don't go to God because we think he's like our mothers and daddies. And so instead we turn to a promise that, you know, one of these days I'm going to find someone to make me happy. One of these days I'm going to find someone to make me 
uh, to protect me, to watch over me. Uh, I'm, when I get out of this house, you know, it, life's going to be different. Well, we find out it's not different because when we judge our parents, it sets in motion forces for us to keep on reaping the same thing that we judged in our parents. And so um, all of us are a work in progress, and all of us have things to overcome. And there's giants in our land. You know, the children of Israel had a physical land to possess. We have a spiritual land, and there's things in our life that we have to possess. Like we have to overcome anger. We have to overcome fear. We have to overcome hurt and grief and sadness. We have to overcome a depression, all of these things. And so when, whenever we're children, if, if we, uh, for example, think it's going to take a certain thing to make us happy, we have an image in our mind of what we think we have to look like to be uh, acceptable. We have an image of what we think that our children have to be like to be acceptable or what our mates have to be like to be acceptable or what we have to uh, do or be in the community or in this society uh, to make us look good, to make uh, people love us. And these images are idolatry. We look in the mirror. I used to have myself is because I grew up like a little fat girl, child, and uh, until I was about 13 or 14, um, I had a weight problem. And so my image in my mind was being petite. Well, I would look in the mirror and I'd see this five foot six uh, Amazon and I would take a nosedive because it didn't match up to my image of perfection of what I thought that I had to look like to be acceptable. And it goes on with, you know, if you look at your life and, for example, you don't think your life is going the way it should or whatever, you know, God says that he's ordered your steps, that, that he's scheduled every day of your life before you were even born, and he's the potter and you're the clay. The potter does all the work, but the clay has to do one thing, and that's to yield to the potter. And when we do that, God, God creates the vessel that he created us to be. And, and when, you know, when you were conceived, before you were even conceived, God knew exactly why he put you here on this earth. And the only place we're going to find that uh, peace and that happiness and, and, and uh, the, our, the purpose of our creation is to yield to the potter, to get on the potter's wheel and let God do whatever he wants to do. And God loves you. He promises he's going to take care of you. The scripture says he loves you with an everlasting love. And he says, whoever comes to him, he'll in no wise cast out. He'll never leave you as an orphan. And he is the one that gives you peace. He is the prince of peace. So an image is an idea or a picture in my mind, which is an idol. And every time uh, I compare myself to this middle picture, I'm comparing myself to uh, an image, which is an idol. Um The yoke of Jesus, uh, just some of the benefits of the yoke of Jesus is peace of mind. Uh, your steps are ordered. You're, you're, you'll fulfill the purpose of your creation. You'll have the peace that passes all understanding. He blesses your going in, your coming out. He blesses you in the city. He blesses you in the country. He answers your prayers. You walk in the spirit. The scripture says you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Um, you find your life because you're giving it up. Um, you're following the Lord. There's so many benefits of the yoke of Jesus. Um, the scripture says, blessed is the man who puts his trust in the Lord. But when we trust in idols, um, it's empty. In fact, when we, trust, when, we, when we trust in the Lord, our life produces the yoke of Jesus, produces love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Where when we're when we're walking after the flesh, or we're not denying ourselves, it says the works of the flesh are the works of the flesh are manifested, which are these: adultery, that's having sex uh, with a married person uh, out of outside of marriage, not your own mate or someone else's. Fornication is all types of sexual sin. Let <coughs> uncleanness. Um, Lasciviousness, uh, idolatry, witchcraft, which is sorcery, also pharmacia, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy. The Bible says in Matthew 5, if you're just angry with your brother, you've committed murder. 
drunkenness. There's a physical drunkenness and a spiritual drunkenness in the church today. Um, We all know what physical drunkenness is, and that's inside the church and outside the church. But there's a spiritual drunkenness uh, that's going um, in the name of revival or the Holy Spirit, but it's really the unholy spirit. Nowhere in the Word of God does it say we're not to be sober and alert. In fact, I've written a little book called uh, Drunkenness, Is It a Blessing or Curse? And in that little booklet, um, I I list every scripture that has to do with sober, with alert. Um, I list every scripture of uh, like drunken, drunkenness, a sober, alert. And there's not one scripture that says that we're to be drunk. And so actually it's a it's it's the unholy spirit, not the Holy Spirit. It says, And drunkenness, revelings and such like, of which I tell you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things, those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And of course the words practice in Job forty one it says that Leviathan, which is a type of Satan, looks upon everything that is high and that he's king over all the sons of pride. Proverbs 1.8 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, there are graceful wreaths to your head and ornaments about your neck. And and I, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 16.11 says, so when we listen to God, when we when we hear our Father's instruction, and we do not forsake our mother's teaching, indeed there are graceful wreaths around your head and ornaments about your neck. So you can see that God gives us a beautiful necklace when we do those things. But Ezekiel 16 says, um, and I have adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your hands and necklaces on your neck. Proverbs 3.21 says, My son, let not your heart depart from, let not, let not my word depart from your heart. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. They will be life to your soul and ornaments to your neck. Uh, then you will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep would be sweet. So, you know, you could say if your sleep is not sweet, hey, you've got a spiritual problem here, so you need to look up. One thing you can do is look up all the scriptures on sleep, on rest, and you see there's only one place we have God's rest, and that's when we wear the yoke of Jesus. It says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And so people that are not able to rest live in a state of unrest, and it's a curse. Because they have the wrong yoke on their necks. They have the yoke of iron, Satan's yoke. Proverbs 3.25, do not, <clears throat> do not be afraid of sudden fear nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. So you can say it's coming. It's because it's saying when it comes. But the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. So that's the benefits of walking in wisdom, uh, the benefits of wearing the yoke of Jesus. Uh, getting a beautiful necklace on your neck that God gives you when you hear your father's instruction and you do not forsake your mother's teaching. He puts a graceful wreath on your head and ornaments about your neck. But when you have idols, Ezekiel 7.20 says, when you have idols, you exchange God's beautiful ornaments for ornaments of pride. It says that in Ezekiel 7.20. Psalm 73.6 says, therefore pride is their necklace, and the 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 garment of violence covers them. Their eye bulges out from fatness. The imaginations of their heart run riot. And this is also one of the roots. It's when it says their eye bulges out from fatness. means that their eyes swell out. That to me, that's a picture of glaucoma. That's one of the one of the causes of glaucoma. And uh, I was diagnosed uh, back in uh, July of this. Of, of 2016 of having glaucoma and they give you these uh, two drops, eye drops a day. And um, anyway, I realized one day when I was, my secretary was sick and 
and and so I realized one day I was thinking that what if she what if she gets sick what if she can't work what am I going to do and I thought you know I've never seen myself as a fearful person but I thought you know you're in fear and the Lord showed me stress was one of the causes of glaucoma and I said well Lord I don't know um, I don't know when I'm stressing and the, I said if you'll remind me when I'm stressing I'll just let it go. Well, make a long story short, the, the, when I looked up the, the side effects, and, and I'm almost 80 and I don't take any medication, but these, this was the first medication I'd taken in 26 years. I looked up the side effects, and some of the side effects were blurred vision, feel like you got something in your eye, heart palpitations. Um, anyway, that's enough right there. I saw there was a whole long list of things, and I thought, you know, so I, so the doctor told me to take two drops, and so I just took one a day. And so I thought, when I go back in there, I'm going to see, you know, I'm going to kind of, when I go back for the the eyes to be checked, I'm going to see. And so when it went back, the eye was normal. So then I started taking it every other day as I began to deal with the stress in my life. Then I began to take it every other day. And then I came to the place where I thought, you know, it was making me, I was having muscle weakness. I mean, I can't tell you all this. Plus, my blood pressure was, uh, it had lowered my blood pressure. At that point, it was like 121 over um, 67 or something like that, which, which, was, which was considered normal. But, um, but anyway, I quit taking it all together, and I thought, well, I'll go back and have another eye exam. And as I've been dealing with the stress when the Lord showed me, but I just quit taking it about a month and a half ago. When I went back to the eye doctor, the, norm, the pressure was normal. Plus, um, because I'm not stressing, the last time I checked my blood pressure, it was 111 over 47. Now, that's a little bit low. I'd like to have it a little higher, but praise God. And I believe that's also a cause of high blood pressure, if you have high blood pressure, is we don't realize we've got to wear the yoke of Jesus. We've got to live and walk in God's rest. God wants us to rest. He wants us to be at peace. He wants to tr- us to trust him as the good shepherd that leads us, that knows the path we're to be on, knows what we need, when we need it, if we need it, when to give it to us, and that we're not to be concerned about what we put on or what, um, or, or what we're to eat or what we're to drink, but we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But, you know, trust issues go back to if you couldn't trust your mother or dad, then it's hard for you to trust God. So if you need healing, um, I encourage you to even come to Lake Hamilton Bible Camp. We we meet every holiday, plus I have Duncanville seminars once a month, and you can come for prayer if you're in the Dallas area. Um, I'll be in York, Pennsylvania on um, um September 28th, I'll be in Corpus Christi sometime in September. That's not been set yet. But anyway, uh, whenever we have on a pride necklace, when we exchange God's beautiful ornaments for ornaments of pride, we get a pride necklace, and it causes our eye to bulge out with fatness. And as I was praying for myself, knowing this scripture, I thought, well, this was a generational curse. Not that I mean pride's been my worst sin, but it, it was a generational curse. Uh, on my on my family line because all of my family had glaucoma, cataracts, macular degeneration, almost blind when they died. So I re, so I knew that this was also a generational curse, and so I just began taking on off the pride necklace and repenting of not listening, repenting of rebellion, repenting of idolatry, and breaking the generational curse of 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 uh, eyes bulging from fatness and the imaginations of their heart run riot. And so I just begin to repent. And um, I, I know that that's why my blood pressure is lower and also um, why the glaucoma pressure in my eyes are normal. So the last time I checked them, my eyes were normal. Praise God, I'm not taking any medication. And I give God the glory. This is not exalted myself, but this is to teach you that Jesus is the great physician. In fact, for 26 years, if I would get start to get something, I would start repenting and I would be healed. And that's how God has let me walk into divine health. And so I encourage those of you who are listening, if you've got all kinds of physical problems, 
you need to deal with the sin in your life because sin is behind it. The need for deliverance, the reason we need deliverance is because of sin in our life. Uh, Jeremiah 10:6 says, There's none like thee, O Lord. Thou art great, and great is your name. Uh, and this is why James 4, 7 says, For us to get delivered, submit yourself to God and resist the devil, and he'll flee. But I encourage you, if you have some physical problem, if it's, you can probably find the word of, if it's a body part, you can find it in the word of God and repent over all the scriptures on, uh, you know, whatever body part that is. There's over 800 scriptures on the heart. I've even gone through scriptures on the heart because the heart has to do with the eyes too, how you see things. And uh, you can just uh, read scriptures on the heart and see, no wonder we can have heart problems is because, just a few. There's a fat heart, humble heart, proud heart. Uh, and I've repented over all those scriptures, and I probably need to go and do it again because you can do the word over and over and see something new every time you do it. In fact, when I was preparing this message tonight, I got delivered of some more stuff. I thank God. But that's why James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to the Lord, and resist the devil, and he'll flee. So when we turn from rebellion, which is pride, and idolatry, uh, and yield to the Lord, we're humbling ourselves. You know, when I'm in rebellion, consciously or unconsciously, I'm saying, God, I'm really smarter than you are. And rebellion is disobedience to the word of God. So as long as we're exalting ourselves through rebellion and pride, we have no authority over the devil. And the, speaking of Leviathan, in Job uh, 41:14, it says, Who can open the doors of his faith? Around his teeth is terror. His strong scales are his pride. And when you look up that word, study it out, it means what you're trusting in. Shut up as with a tight seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. So that could be. Also, Leviathan restricts restricts your breathing. People with breathing problems could have a strong spirit of Leviathan. Job 41, 17. They are joined together. They clasp each other and cannot be separated. His sneezes flash forth light, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. That could be another thing we need to repent over for eye problems. Out of his mouth go burning torches. Sparks of fire leap forth. A person with the spirit of Leviathan working in them um, when they can burn you down with their mouth, and they might, you, you know, they might be having a peaceful day, but when they get angry, I'm telling you, it looks like fire comes out of their mouth. Out of their nostrils, smoke goes forth from a boiling pot and burning rushes. I remember years ago I was uh, teaching in Beaumont, Texas, and a girl came up and, and asked for prayer. She said, I'm addicted to nose spray. And I said, have you ever gotten angry and let fire come out your mouth and smoke come out your nostrils? And she didn't answer, but her husband shook his head, yes. <laughs> and I let her in repentance. The next day she came, she said, I was totally delivered from from uh, the, um, the, the nose spray because it was a spirit of Leviathan. But it says about Leviathan, out of his nostrils smoke goes forth as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. His breath kindles coals, and a flame goes forth from his mouth. In his neck lodges strength, and dismay leaps before him. Now, you could say this could be one of the roots of neck problems, a hard heart. Um, a hard heart could be rooted in Leviathan. Uh, in, in his neck lodges strength. Not only that, can be stubborn, stiff-necked. Uh, dismay leaps before him. I've discovered that people with strong spirits of Leviathan have neck problems. We can also have neck problems because we're wearing somebody else's yoke. You can't see a yoke with a human eye, I mean a spiritual yoke, but we have self-inflicted yokes, which has been the kind of yokes I've worn is my own yoking myself up with expectations I've had of myself. Other people can control us and yoke us up, um, now we can have the yoke of Jesus as light and easy. Thank God he only wants us to wear his yoke. He doesn't want us to wear the yokes of other people. Uh, Job 41:23 says, The folds of his flesh are joined together from on, uh, firm on him, unmovable. 
his heart is hard as a lower millstone, even as hard as a lower millstone. You know, I can remember a time, and, and there was a time I was in a meeting in um, California, gosh, 20, 30 years ago, and a man gave a, gave a word of knowledge that there was two people there that had a spirit of Leviathan and, and had their problems, their tailbone felt like their tailbone was bruised in the tailbone area. And he said, it's a spirit of Leviathan. I was one of those two people. So the Lord set me free from that spirit of Leviathan. But, you know, I believe that because Satan's king is over the sons of pride, I believe he, I don't believe he comes out all in one piece. I believe that it's a process because it's like Jesus died to get all the devil out of us. And um, it's a process. But it says his heart is as hard as a, mill, a lower millstone. I can remember a time when it was so difficult for me to cry, and I can cry so easy now, and I'm thankful that God is tenderizing my heart. And um, Job 41:25 says, when, the, when he raises himself up, the mighty fear, because of the crashing, they are bewildered. And so when a person has a spirit of Leviathan in them, and they get mad and start raging. I'm telling you, everybody wants to hit the deck. It says, the sword that reaches them cannot avail, for the, nor the spear, the dart, or the javelin. In other words, you can't fight him with spiritual weapons. He regards iron as straw, bronze as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. Sling stones are turned into stubble for him. Clubs are uh, regarded as stubble. He laughs at the rattling of the javelin. His underparts are like sharp potsherds. He spreads out like a threshing flesh on the mire. He makes the depths boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a jar of ointment. Behind him he makes a wake to shine. One would think the deep to be gray-haired. Nothing on earth is compared to him. One made without fear, he is fearless. He looks on everything that is high, and he's king over all the sons of pride. And so that's the description of Leviathan, which is a type and shadow of the devil. In Luke eleven seventeen, it says, But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, My king, if, uh, Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a house divided against itself falls. In other words, <clears throat> the only way you can get to Leviathan is to, um, let's see, how, let me try to think of the word to use is to renounce and lay down your idol because as long as you have an idol, as long as you're looking to something else to make you happy, his kingdom stands. But the way that you can uh, break down his house is to divide against him by laying down the idolatry of your life. In Jeremiah thirteen nine, it says, For thus says the Lord, just, just so... Just so will I destroy the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. That's the church. Who refuse to listen to my words, who walk in the stubbornness of their own heart and have gone after other gods to serve them and to bow down to them. Let them be just like this waistband, which is totally worthless. For as the waistband clings to the waist of a man, so I've made the whole house of Israel and the whole house of, uh, household of Judah cling to me, declares the Lord, that they might be for me a people for my renown, for praise, for glory, but they did not listen. Listen now and give heed, God says. Do not be haughty, for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to God, the Lord your God, before he brings darkness and before your feet stumble on the dusky mountains. You know, this was where I got delivered today when I thought he brings darkness. Before um, I had the cataract surgery, um, it would be like um, I could be in a room and, and it seemed the room seemed darker. And so there was a spirit of darkness in my life. And when I saw this today, that pride also brings darkness, when I repented of my sin and the generational iniquities of the forefathers, I got delivered today when I was studying this message. And I've read this hundreds of times. And so, you know, it's, also, it's always a process of learning to overcome. This is what it means to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
The word salvation in that scripture means the deliverance from the molestation of the enemy. But God says, give glory to him before he brings darkness and before your feet stumble on the on the dusky mountains. And the way you repent over this, I, I said, Lord, forgive me for not giving glory to you, which has brought darkness in my life. I forgive my forefathers that they did not give glory to you. They gave glory to themselves, and it's brought generational darkness coming down my bloodline. So that's why it's so important to repent over the word of God. But I started to say a while ago, you can always find a body part, heart or legs or arms, or if there's a body part in the Bible, repent over all the scriptures on that particular, if it's your foot or feet or eye or eyes, repent over each scripture. And, um, and then if, and if, and if you can't find the body part in the Bible, you can find the symptom. Uh, so do, and just repent over the word. And this is, I'm thankful that God's taught me this because because of this, of, of repenting over the word of God, I've been able to take these gospels and keep myself uh, um, free from sickness. Or if I start to get something, to repent. Uh, recently, I started to catch, uh, in fact, a couple of times this year, which has been unusual for me, um, I would watch the news and I'd get so upset over these uh, people, that, these evil politicians that I would just uh, not speak curse words, but I'd just, and God was disciplining me. And so when I would just begin to repent, I was healed, and I didn't call the doctor, and I didn't take antibiotics. I was healed just very quickly as I was repenting. In fact, when you start seeing something come near you, or you can feel it if a cold's coming on or feel something that's coming, say, okay, Lord, what are you trying to show me through this? What did I do? That's the first thing I say, okay, Lord, hold on, Lord, show me what I did, and I'll begin to repent, and the Lord heals me, and he'll heal you. He's a great physician. Uh and he, the Bible says that he sent his word to heal you. But God says, give glory to him before you before he sends darkness. And we're back in Jeremiah 13. And before your feet stumble on the dusky mountains, and while you are hoping for light, he makes it into deep darkness and turns it into gloom. But if you will not listen, God says, you not listen to it, my soul will sob in secret for such pride. And my eyes will bitterly weep down with tears because the flock of the Lord has been taken captive. So it's talking about the flock of the Lord gets taken captive because of pride. Proverbs 13 says, through pride comes contention. And all of these, uh, all of our idols have their root in pride. Ezekiel 23:45 says, when we have idols, we're turned over to terror and plunder. So now you can see how Satan is king over the sons of pride. And you know the story of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was out on his balcony, and he was boasting about his great kingdom and what he'd done. And, and uh, at that time, it says, in verse, well, it says that his kingdom was taken from him that day. He was driven into the wilderness. He had like bird claws and feathers. But after he spent his time getting disciplined, this is what he says in Daniel 4.36. At that time, my reason returned to him, me, when he humbled himself. And my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom and my counsel and my peop- and my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty and surpassing greatness was indeed in me, indeed to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the King of heaven for all his works are true and all his ways are just and he's able to humble all those who walk in pride. Now God tells us to humble ourselves. I used to pray, Lord, make me, make me humble. But he says, he tells us to humble ourselves. It's a choice. Psalms 90 verse 10 says, for the days of your life, they are considered, for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80. Yet their, their 
pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it will go away and flee away. Psalms 90.11, who understands the power of thine anger and thy fury according to the fear that is due thee? So teach us to number our days so that we might present to you a heart of wisdom. And that should be a prayer that all of us should pray. This is why Psalms 36.11 says, Let not the foot of pride come upon me and the wicked drive me away. You've got a foot problem? It could be a foot of pride. So uh, God gives us the grace to humble ourselves. 1 Peter 5.5 says, You younger men likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert, for your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And that word devour means drink down, gulp down, and swallow up. So you can have demons in you, but you can also be in the mouth of the demons. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. It's not talking about God wanting you to be sick here. He's talking about whenever I choose to obey God and give myself to God, suffers if I want to be angry and I choose not to be, if I want to be unforgiving and choose not to be, my flesh suffers. So that's talking about for us to resist him, we have to be willing to suffer in the flesh. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen you, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 12. Through Sylvanius, our faithful brother, for so I regard him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and and testifying that this is the true grace of God and to stand firm in it. Ephesians 4.3 says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love. James 4, 1 says, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it is not the source of your, is not the source your pleasures that wage war against your members? members? You lust and you do not have, so you uh, commit murder. You get angry and you are envious and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And, of course, I could add his way. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you can spend it on your own lust and pleasures. You see the pride in all of that? You adulteresses. And this is talking about, it's talking to brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's talking about spiritual adultery, which is when you pray a prayer to receive Jesus, you're going to be the bride of Christ. And when, when our hearts go after idols, we commit adultery, spiritual adultery. We always we know what physical adultery is, but here speaking to the body of Christ, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility to God? Therefore, whoever is a friend to the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think um, that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he's, he has made to dwell in you. He gives a greater grace. Therefore, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Hallelujah. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Hallelujah. Praise God. He gives a greater grace, and it's a choice that we have to humble ourselves. And for us to get deliverance, you can see that because of all these I, me, my things that we think makes us happy, it's all idolatry. So you can see that we don't have a demon problem. We have a God problem. Many people come for deliverance 
not even thinking that sin is behind why they need deliverance. But God resists the proud. Scripture says he gives grace to the humble, and he tells us to humble ourselves. And when we wear Satan's yoke and in, in all the things that are, is our, you know, that's idolatry in our life, when we wear his yoke, it's grueling, shaping, annoying. We stay hurt. We stay bitter. We, we, we stay sick. Hold unforgiveness. And I can tell you that unforgiveness is behind uh, most of our sickness is because we've not walked in love. We've broken God's covenant through not loving our neighbor as ourselves. And so God wants to deliver us. And I hope as I've taught this, you've thought about the things that make you angry, that make you depressed, that make you fearful. It's all idolatry. And you have to just lay it down. And one way God's told me to do it is like he's taught me to do like Abraham did Isaac. Take it up the mountain and put a knife to it, a spiritual knife to it, and say, Lord, I lay this down. I lay this at your feet. If it bring you greater glory and honor for nobody to love me, nobody to want me, nobody to talk to me, nobody to listen to me, uh, yada, yada, you could go on and on. Whatever you've been making you angry, whatever has been depressing you, whatever has been making you fearful, Just take it up the mountain and let it go. When you let go of your life, you find it. And that's the perfect love that casts out fear. Because wherever there's an idol, there's fear. Wherever there's an idol, there's depression. Where there's an idol, there's anger and hurt, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, torture, torment. You know, in Matthew 18, Jesus said we have to forgive or he gets turned over to the tormentors, which are demons that inflict pain. It means the plane of disease. It means inquisitor. So if you're listening, I'm hoping that you'll just lay down those things that have been the idols in your life, the things that have been a source of contention, things that you've thought about in your marriage, let it go because God knows what you need. And when you leave it to him, he answers prayer. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, lead you in repentance and um, to lay down these idols. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, I forgive every person. If If you'll pray with me, if you're listening in, Pray with me, Lord, I forgive every person that's hurt me and offended me. Forgive me for idolatry. Forgive me for judging my parents, letting the sun go down on my anger. Forgive me for turning to false gods. Lord, forgive me for thinking that these are the things that that I've trusted in to make me happy, Lord. When you are the good shepherd, you are the one that leads me into truth, into righteousness. You're the one that has scheduled my life before I was even born. You are the one, Lord, that know what I need, if I need it. And so, Father, I take all these idols up the mountain, the things that I've trusted in to make me happy. And, Lord, if it would bring you greater glory and honor for me to have these things, I ask you to give me these things. But, Lord, if it's not, I ask you to never let me have these things that I think that would make me happy. And I bind every spirit that would not confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And I bind you, Satan. You cannot cause me to have something or not have it in the name of Jesus because I put my life in the hands of the potter. I get on the potter's wheel. I trust the good shepherd that leads me and guide me. I choose to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Lord, forgive me for not seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. Forgive me, Lord, for discontentment. Forgive me for anger and bitterness and unforgiveness and fear and hurt. Forgive me for holding unforgiveness toward other people. Forgive me for breaking covenant with you, not walking in love. Forgive me for loving these idols more than I've loved you. Lord, forgive me for not seeking first your kingdom. Forgive me, Lord, for not delighting in you. Lord, forgive me for rebellion, disobedience to your word that would cause you to put an iron yoke on my neck and cause me to serve my enemies in hunger and thirst and nakedness and the lack of all things, and you to put an iron yoke around my neck. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I just come against all the spirits that are attached to these idols. In the name of Jesus, I break the power of idolatry. I just break the power of fear, doubt, unbelief, worry, anxiety, tension, stress, nervousness. I say go in Jesus' name. I break the power of torment to tormentors. I break the power of sickness and disease, unforgiveness, bitterness, hurt. I break the power of resentment, adultery, fornication. I break the power of hatred, variance, strife, emulation, sorcery, witchcraft, heresy in the name of Jesus. I break the power of drunkenness. I break the power of adultery. I break the power of selfishness. I break the power of rebellion, and I command you to leave 
every person in the name, power, blood, and by the authority of Jesus' name. I command you to go in Jesus' name. Take a deep breath, blow out in the name of Jesus. Lord, I submit myself to you, and I resist the devil, and he has to flee in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. If you want prayer, I'm going to talk about the ministry a little bit, and then um, if, if anybody has called in for prayer or wants prayer, if you call 646-595-4784, and don't forget to press 1. And um, Abiding Life Ministries is located in Lindale, Texas, and uh, if you've been blessed by this teaching and would like to send us a gift, you can go to jerrymcgee.com. That's G like George, E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E.com. And there's a place where you can send a gift through PayPal. Uh, Also, the lady that sponsors this program, um, you can send a gift to her. She's the one that finances this program. And um, you can send it if if her ministry has blessed you. You can can, uh, send a gift through PayPal to D, like for Dorothy, D Churchy C H U R C H Y dot com. Um, but on my website, jerrymcgee.com, there's a place where you can send a gift through PayPal or you can mail a gift to Abiding Life Ministries, Post Office Box 1141, Lindale, Texas. And we appreciate your gifts because uh, even though we're not sponsoring the program, it takes it costs money to to run a ministry to pay the light bill. So. We don't do it. We don't do this for money because uh, we do it because we love Jesus and we love people. But uh, we hope you'll listen again in again on the first and third Tuesdays of each month from six to eight p.m. Uh, if you would like to, uh, I'm, I'm also on Omega Man Radio. If you will uh, go to my website jerrymcgee.com, G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E.com. And sign up for the email. We'll notify you when we're going to be um, on the radio again. But for the for, for the month of, month of April, I'll be on the radio every Tuesday. So if you sign up, I'll send you a flyer. Uh, I'll be in, as I said earlier, I'll be in York, Pennsylvania on September the 28th through the 30th, I believe. Uh, but I'll send you a flyer for that. I'll be at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp April 13th through 19th. Um, I have a Duncanville seminar in Duncanville, Texas, and Duncanville borders Dallas on the south side. Uh, but on uh, next Saturday, April the eighth, I'll be um, I'll be in Duncanville, and uh, and if you need personal prayer, if you'll come, we'll pray for you. I'll be in Corpus Christi in September, and soon as I have those dates, I will uh, announce them. If you'd like a meeting scheduled in your area, you can also email me at jerrymcgee at sbcglobal.net, G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E, global.net. You can email me. I hope you'll listen again. Um, and if we can be a blessing to you, you can email us. And uh, and I just want to say if nobody's called in, Dorothy, is anyone uh, on cue to call in? Well, I'm just let me close by no, saying no one called in, Jerry. I'm okay. Sorry. May the Lord that's no problem. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. And look forward to uh, ministering again. God bless you. <laughs>